Welcome into episode 179 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is presented, as always, by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations that's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you? Oh, I am just just drowning right now. It is uh, the time of the year where the roster news uh, kind of overlaps with recruiting uh, in terms of you know recruiting events and all American events and all that stuff. So, Sean, uh, we left on Friday because I was going up to uh, going up to Indianapolis to go see the Adidas 3SSB event, to go see Reed Shepard play, go see some of the other top 23, 24 prospects, uh, even top uh, the class of 2025, see them play uh, in the first opening weekend of the live period. Great event. Uh, had a lot of fun. Got to see Reed play several times. Got to see some of the other top level targets. So that. Cut our episode short last time, and then now uh, we're about to head up to Chicago to the Jordan Brand Classic game. Uh, for whatever reason, all, they're denying all the credentials to the local media. No, no team sites are getting in. It's just national media, so I had to kind of sneak my way into the event, Sean, um, to go see the practices and the game itself. So, But I will be there. I will make sure that I... Am there. So that is on the docket today. So, Sean, it is a very busy, hectic, chaotic time of year. Uh, and the roster news won't stop slowing down. So I wanted to make sure that before we headed up to uh, Chicago that that I we got a, a podcast out to talk about what we kind of left a cliffhanger on last episode, roster updates, news that I heard uh, going into the weekend. Uh, some public news that has already come out and things of that nature. So, uh, Sean, very, very busy time of year that is only going to get busy, so busier. So uh, I wanted to start this show by, with the two uh, biggest topics at hand that everybody wants to know. What's the latest with Oscar Sheway? What's the latest with Shaden Sharp? Uh, Kentucky get one of them back? Can, can Kentucky, by absolute miracle, get both of them back? What are the chances of that happening? So on and so forth. So uh, I wanted to get started with both of them. Let's start with Oscar Sheboy because that's kind of a, a decision that could be happening sooner rather than later. Uh, he just did an interview. He's going on. I think uh, he just preached. And, and after his sermon, uh, I believe it was on Monday, Sean, he talked to reporters and said, uh, that a t decision was coming, that he was very close to making a decision. He said uh, that the man upstairs was about to uh, help guide him to that final decision. And the all-out expectation right now is that Oscar Sheboy, reigning National Player of the Year, will be returning to the University of Kentucky. And uh, before we kind of get into the inside scoop of all of that and kind of how we got to this point and all that, just... What would it mean after the way this season ended and the disappointment that fans are feeling right now to get the big fella in the middle back for a, a second year? Just what would that mean to just kind of the morale of this fan base right now, the momentum getting that back? Just kind of what, what would be the overall vibe if, if the big fella uh, in the middle decided to come back to Kentucky? Out of all the players that we've waited on over the years that could have 
you know, returned for an, an additional year, and, and you're talking caliber players of first-round draft picks and number one overall draft picks. But when you're talking team morale and the way the fan base has rallied around Oscar Sheboy himself, Jack, I think it would be the biggest decision, especially the way the program is right now. The fans are kind of on edge. They're wondering what's going to happen next, or is this program among the elites right now in college basketball? Can they get back to a Final Four? I think getting Oscar Sheboy back would be the perfect starting piece to getting over, not really getting over what happened this year, but to at least have some positivity in your program going into next season. I don't think every fan would be all the way back on board, but I think even the ones that are the loudest right now would even have a foot back on the the positive side of things and think, okay, I loved Oscar Sheboy this year. I loved everything that he was about, what he stands for, the way he plays and you get the reigning national player of the year back, that's a heck of a start for Cal if if he can pull that thing off. And, and you know, it almost creates a sense of a part one and part two of this big story. You know, because if Oscar leaves and his historic season, something that we will never see ever again, I mean, unless he comes back next season, as as we're kind of hoping, but the individual performance that we saw, uh, we will never see another player do what Oscar Sheboy did this past season ever again. And, and I think that was where a lot of that heartbreak came from was all of that was for essentially nothing. He bar- broke every single record, won every National Player of the Year award, uh, every Center of the Year award, every single thing that he could win in terms of individual accolades. He earned it. He earned every single one. But what did it mean? Because he didn't get anything team-wise of substance. He didn't win an SEC championship, didn't win an SEC tournament championship, and he didn't even get past the opening weekend, lost in the first round to St. Peter's. There was no uh, kind of uh, good feel story at the end of the tunnel for uh, Oscar. And if if he ultimately decides to come back, Sean, it feels like a part one of, uh, of a two-part series that we get to see, okay, we got the heartbreak. It was a, a devastating end of the year, but there's light at the end of the tunnel now. There's a, a second year. There's that second year of hope where he can run it all back, get, you know, kind of restruct, restructure the roster, build it around him, do what you got to do uh, to kind of fulfill the, the roster needs while still giving him a second chance. And I think that in itself uh, is enough to kind of get, like you said, get fans back on, back on board, kind of get that hype train building back up. Uh, because I, I I just don't think there's an, a more important decision this offseason than than what Oscar is about to make. There, there's not, and and we're talking about all those awards that he received, and he made it to the Final Four. It just wasn't with his team playing, right? He was in New Orleans to accept the uh, you know the Naismith, and then he's gone all across the country the last few weeks accepting awards. And Oscar Shibway was talked about throughout the month of March, but not in the way that Oscar Shibway deserved to be talked about. Like I was hoping that we would see him on that stage in a Final Four, leading this Kentucky team this past season on a run, if he returns, I really hope that we get to see him do what he did in game one of this year's tournament in multiple games in next year's tournament. And you're talking, like I said, the reigning national player of the year. How crazy would that be? Like in today's era at Kentucky, at Blue Blood programs, you don't see that happen often. So that that would be a really cool start. And honestly, Jack, the kid wants to be at Kentucky. Again, you can tell. I mean, going through these meetings, trying to work these things out with uh, with NIL and all this stuff, it's clear that the kid wants to return and be at Kentucky. It would be a huge thing for this program, for that team, and whoever's on that roster next year if Oscar Sheboy's alongside him. 
And here's how we got to this point. So the last couple episodes, or I guess the last two, three weeks since the season ended, and we're talking about the possibility of Oscar coming back, we've we've kind of hinted and talked directly on the show that uh, the hurdles with NIL are way more complicated than people are making them out to be, that there's uh, that still not even close on the federal level that, yeah, some restrictions were lifted, but those got paused and then restarted again and and really not even making a fraction of what he'd be able uh, to do. And, and and I think that's where some of that hesitancy came from, because it's like, yeah, he could he could make a little bit of money coming back to Kentucky no matter what. But so much more opportunity to make money by going to the draft and, you know, he can sign endorsement deals. He can do all that while still making a legitimate salary uh, in there. And so that's where some of the initial pushback came from. But uh, Sean, I talked to somebody going into this past weekend, uh, very close to the program within the program that basically said the stuff that's been out there the last week or two, uh, all that stuff has changed, that things have been updated. Things are moving in the right direction. There's a lot of momentum and and positivity regarding his NIL status. There was some talk, and and I want to clarify some things because there was some talk kind of behind the scenes that uh, Sheboy was getting a green card and that was going to allow him to, you know, make, you know, make money as a worker in the United States. I I do want to clarify that I talked to somebody at UK. That is not the case. That's not something he's pursuing. So I do want to clarify that. Uh, that if if you hear something about that, that that is not the case. But I will say that there's a lot of momentum right now. Like I don't know if you saw yesterday that uh, he was in in the meeting with Mitch McConnell and Joe Kraft and yeah. Kelly Kraft and meeting with politicians today. Uh, he's at the governor's office and Andy Bashir's office. Uh, T.J. Beisner put out a tweet of of Governor Bashir. He's sitting at, at Andy Bashir's desk right now. They are full steam ahead right now, trying to do whatever it takes to get Oscar Sheboy's restrictions lifted where he can make the full extent of NIL. And everybody you talk to within the program, doesn't matter if it's, you know, as high up as possible to even the lower end people, there is kind of consensus optimism that things are going to get done, that things are getting done, and that he will, if they do get done the way they anticipate, that he will be, he will be back in Lexington next season. That's what he wants to do. He said that he's, he's inching closer to a decision, and I don't think that it's a coincidence that he says he's inching closer to a decision as things start moving faster and faster uh, in terms of, you know, talking to politicians and and really kind of getting the ball moving on that stuff. I think all he needed was a firm uh, confidence that he wouldn't get into any trouble, that the risk of him, you know, getting deported, anything like that. None of those issues would be on the table if he were to, to come back. And I think all he needed was an assurance, something to make him feel confident uh, that that everything would be okay on that front, and that he'd be able to make some good bit of money, uh, be able to provide for his family. And if all of that stuff worked out, he'd be back. And I think that's where we're absolutely trending right now. And uh, I, I think fans can start getting, you know, it's it's not out of the water. It's not a, a complete done deal. There's still a lot, some, some red tape to get through before uh, we can start, you know, popping the champagne and, and spraying the confetti everywhere. But Sean, we're definitely trending that direction, and that's something Kentucky fans should absolutely be excited about. Absolutely, and it, to me, it's the perfect thing to kind of get that positive momentum going in the right direction, and the sooner it happens, the better, right? Like, you know, it gets away from some of the negativity. It, you can kind of start to form an identity of what Kentucky's roster would look like next season, and if, and if Oscar Sheboy is a part of it, Jack, we talked about this, and, you know, him and Shaden, those are the two big decisions this offseason, and we've said all along, if you get both of them, Really good shot to be preseason number one. You get one of them, I still think you're a preseason top 10 team. 
uh, when you when all the dust settles and it comes to transfers and who's returning and things like that. It, it definitely helps John Calipari and this basketball program if Oscar Shibway is certainly a part of it next season. Yeah, and you bring up the other very significant piece of the puzzle, Shaden Sharp. The report comes out yesterday that Tra- from Travis Brain of 247 Sports. Um, I know he's very connected. I've talked to him about who his connections are uh, with Shaden, so I know what he's saying. No matter what's being put out there publicly right now, there's a lot of kind of wishy-washiness, uh, but Travis is, has good stuff. Believe him. It's, it, I promise you it's it's good good he's, info. He's been uh, locked in with this for months, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. this isn't just something that happened overnight. Travis has been – there since the fall yeah I, I i trust me on this one he knows what he's talking about he is very connected on this he reports that Shaden sharp will be putting his name in the nba nba draft but not signing with an agent he will maintain his college eligibility which i think is expected news but also there's a hint of of surprise with it right because they're all the talk lately is that he was already had a shoe out the uh, foot out the door ready to uh, go pro that he was going to sign with an agent and say, sorry, appreciate you, my one semester here in Lexington, but I'm gone. He decides that, and again, it hasn't been, he hasn't announced this publicly yet, uh, but we are absolutely trending this direction that he is going to put his name in the draft without an agent. And Sean, I think if you're looking for a glimmer of hope, uh, I said on various different platforms, and this was part of uh, um, the kind of cliffhanger I left fans on, unfortunately. I'm sorry, I apologize for the delay on, on doing that. But I'd heard that there's still a very slight glimmer of hope uh, within the program. It's more it, The cautious optimism has slowly transitioned into, I think, uh, hope within the program. But there's st- I think the expectation is that he just does decide to eventually leave. But he is very late on uh, on submitting paperwork. He has not started the, the paperwork process as of last week going into – uh, the weekend, he had not started the draft process paperwork, yeah, which is a, a, a process in itself. Why other pro- like Leonard Miller, for instance, who is still considering whether he comes back or not, he has started the paperwork process to kind of put himself in position. So kind of comparatively speaking, a high schooler that is trying to decide what he's doing with his future, he has already started the, the paperwork process and Shaden hasn't yet as of last week, obviously. So that's if you're looking for something to hang on to in terms of hope. That's something to hang on to. Uh, the fact that he is not going to sign with an agent right away, uh, or at least one that is, that will end his eligibility at the college level, that's definitely a, a sign of hope. Um, but I, I will make it clear that talking to people uh, within the program that they are coming up with contingency plans, they are, are talking to different uh, you know wing possibilities, looking at defensive options, looking at you know high level scoring options, with the understanding that. They don't know what Shaden's going to do yet. They think that he's probably going to go pro, but kind of putting those feelers out right now, making sure you know potential options know that hey, we're obviously still waiting on Shaden. Please hold off, but we want you if if Shaden does decide to leave. So uh, a little bit of good news, but also still uh, some bad news that I think we're we're still trending in that direction. But if you're looking for a glimmer of hope, there is still technically one there. Yeah, and and when it comes to entering his name in the draft and, and testing the process, whether he goes or he returns, it, it's no surprise that he's doing this. John Calipari said it on his radio show to wrap up the season that Shaden should test the process and is going to test the waters and, and the, that he should do that. So no surprise there. Uh, like you said, there's still a glimmer of hope with the no signing with an agent and everything kind of leaving that door open for a return to Kentucky. And, and Jack, regardless of how this thing goes, I've sat here for the last couple of months and really thought about it and, 
really strongly the last two weeks. I don't think that there's any way that I can criticize John Calipari for either direction this goes, whether Shaden is at Kentucky next year or he's not. I just don't think that this is Cal's fault. And I know a lot right now, it, it's easy to get frustrated with Cal. I'm frustrated with Cal with, with some things. I know I've made that clear on this platform and I've written about it. You've written about it. We've talked about it. But this isn't one of those things that I can really hammer him for. Like this, I'm not going to blame John Calipari if Shaden Sharp goes to the draft and stays in the draft. I just don't think that there was anything the man could do, really. I really don't see how he's at fault if this goes that direction. Yeah, and it's a very difficult situation because, look, when you have the number one player in the country, call. So, look, I talked to people close to Shaden and that told me about the process. He told me, uh, his, his mentor and his coach told me that he called Cal personally and said, this is what we're doing. I hope that this is okay. We'll see you in Lexington. And Cal had no idea that this was happening, that this wasn't a long plan on Cal's end, that they said, Cal, this is what we're doing. Take it or leave it. And Cal said, okay, I guess I will take it. You know, it's one of those deals when you have the number one recruit in the country saying, hey, I'm going to be a mid-year enrollee. Uh, you know, I'm going to practice with a team on the surface level. Of course, you, you're bringing in a guy that if he looks the part immediately, then you say, screw it. I'm going to throw throw him in the game and, and see what happens. At worst, he's a practice player. He's developing. He's working on his game. He's helping the other players in practice improve on both ends of the floor. You know, if he's the elite scorer that everybody thinks he is, and I've seen him be uh, at all these various settings, then, you know, it helps on perimeter defense with the other guys. And this is, you know, obviously that perimeter defense was one of the biggest issues on the team to close out the year. So clearly it wasn't that big of a win on that end. But when you, when the decision is made initially, that has to be going through Cal's mind of, okay, they're telling me it's a take it or leave it situation. Here's what we're going through. It's the number one player in the country. If he explodes, then goodness gracious, we have the number one player in the country coming in ready to make a high level impact and lead us to, you know, a final four from day one. If he's not ready yet, then he works out and you know, develops his game and he comes back for a second year. It's one of those, you know, win-win scenarios on the surface level. Then things unfold the way they are, where uh, when he comes in, Kentucky's playing as well as they did all season long. Then uh, as the season goes on, it gets too late in the process. The team starts kind of crumbling down the stretch. Then do you really risk throwing a kid in with three, four games left in the regular season? Is that enough to screw up team chemistry even more? It's just one of those so difficult situations that Cal was put in. And again, like you said, I do not blame him at all. This was not Cal's fault. Uh, this is not an, anything on Kentucky's end's fault. You know, if if anything, it, it, this could have been a Cal says, screw it, I'm going to put him in, you know, two weeks after he gets on campus and then he plays 15 games for Kentucky. That could, okay, that would would make sense. But in terms of him getting here and how the process played out, uh, it, there, it, this really isn't Cal's fault. And, and it's just a difficult situation that all parties are in that uh, we all just kind of have to live with right now, Sean. Yeah, it's a very difficult situation. Jack, I know we talked about that months ago. I, I kept saying that for John Calipari, this is not a very comfortable situation because you want to coach the number one player. You want him to be a part of this roster. But at the same time, you're not going to say, nah, that I don't want to take you know the take it or leave it deal. If he leaves it and the kid doesn't go pro and then he goes and plays elsewhere, John Calipari is getting absolutely hammered by you know by the fan base and by everyone if you turn away the number one player and he doesn't go pro and then goes and plays for a different school so uh, I, I just think it's one of those situations that you had to take a chance on it and you hope it works out in your favor and that Shaden's here next year and is at this moment 
fans can still dream of a roster that includes Oscar Sheboy and Shaden Sharp on it. Until those decisions are official, you have that hope and that possibility. And if that situation were to play out, Jack, I think that Kentucky is the clear-cut number one team in the country if they get both of them back. Yeah, and I'm going back at talking yesterday as all this news was coming out. Um, I, I went back and found an old quote that uh, I had from uh, his camp and how that whole process unfolded. I'm going back to find it right now. The quote uh, was, it's it's tough to read looking back in this situation right now. Uh, the quote was from, from his mentor and coach. It's pretty idiotic. Everyone knew that this was an option talking about uh, that, that he would be eligible for the draft, but we're not taking it. He lost millions coming to school. He came to get better. You come to get ready if you want to go to the NBA, which is one of the goals. You have to be ready. People don't respect John Calipari's ability to develop enough. That's why Shaden's there. He's not there to sit on the bench and wave at fans. He's coming back next year. If he doesn't play this year, he's coming back next year. Sean, that was the exact quote. And then I know uh, some of the other quotes kind of went a little bit viral, too, of, of Shaden saying, I'm 100% coming back next season, all that stuff. It's it's going to be a bad look. I'm not going to lie on on their part. If if he does decide to ultimately go pro, it's it's going to be a bad look. It, it's going to come out as a complete lie. And I know I, I, fans are going to be frustrated. And I just want make, to make sure that that I the the frustrations are directed in the right way. And I'm not saying attack the kid. Look, things things have changed. It's been a process that I'm sure he didn't realize now what he what he knew then or whatever the saying is that you know I think it's a, a difficult situation for him and his camp. He developed. I, I've heard that he looked really, really good behind the scenes. Uh, and it was just one of those situations that it just kind of when he was ready, it was just a little bit too late. And and now what do you do? Do you risk passing up on being a top five, top six, top 10 pick to come back and, you know, risk injury to risk your stock falling, whatever. It's just one of those situations that I, I understand both ways and either, either way they decide to go. Uh, I, I understand it both ways, but Sean, the quotes are just not a good look. And you'd think that they, they would have been more open from the start about, you know what, let's just kind of play it by ear. We'll see what happens and then kind of set the expectation at least a little bit lower because they made it very clear, all sides involved made it clear that he was coming back next year. And now that it's unfolding the way it is, I think that's where a lot of the frustrations are stemming from. Yeah, and there should, I mean, there's rightfully so, there, there should be frustration with this situation. I mean, you you have a kid that you're, you've been talking and you're wanting Kentucky to get back to getting the best of the best and you get the best of the best. He gets to campus, he has a jersey on, and then if he doesn't play, I mean, fans are going to be really, really frustrated. So as good as the news, if they get Oscar back, you're going to have a large portion of this fan base upset that whatever happens with Shaden Sharp. And, I mean, they should be upset. Like, this is a program. I know fans, they they want the they, – they support the NBA decisions. They support these players going to the league when they're ready and when they're good. But at the same time, it's about what did you do here at Kentucky? Did you play at Kentucky? And I get that side of the fan base, Jack. But this is a situation that I just think is just uh, – it's put a lot of people in a lot of corners where I'm not sure everybody comes out of here feeling really good about everything if it goes that direction. And I just don't – I think a lot of people were put – one, the fans. I think the fans have been put in a corner. You, you want to support the situation. But then again, if he doesn't play, I, I get it. If the fans are upset, I'm not going to tell fans, hey, don't say anything. Don't be upset on social media. If if that happens, I'm going to give the fans every right in my in my mentions to say what they want, DM what they want, but just don't take it out on the kid. 
is all yeah. I'm saying. If it goes that direction, you can have frustrations at the same time. I think you got to pull yourself back and look at this situation from Cal's end. I just don't see how I can sit here and criticize John Calipari for this. I really don't. I'm not yeah, going to I- criticize Shaden. I'm not going to criticize Cal. Maybe some others involved in the situation and how things were worded and said, like you mentioned. That's where it lies. If the kid's a top five pick, I think he has to go, Jack. I, I mm-hmm. really do. But that's where it's going to come down to it. What is that feedback? Where does he fall? If he falls to a certain point, then I think Kentucky's still on the table. But if he's top five, I just or top six, seven, I don't know. I really don't. I just don't. I don't know what the end result's going to be. I think it's a situation of be be mad at the situation and the process and the way it unfolded, not at Shaden, not at Cal. I think that's the best way to do. It. Just be uh, upset at the at the process and how things unfolded and the timing. It was just crappy timing. Uh, can, again, when can, when he got here, the first month, Kentucky looked like world beaters. They looked like the a national championship team. He didn't, you know, talking to his people, he didn't want to screw up what was working. Like they were, he was open to playing. He just didn't want to screw up what was working for the the team right now. They're putting up a million points a game, uh, one of the most efficient teams in in college basketball. Like he didn't want to mess up what was working. And then, at, you know, as injuries happened and all that stuff. You know, then it became that there was that that there wasn't a whole lot of time left in the season. Do you throw him in now and and you know risk him not looking good enough and and you know whatever? There's just it's it, it ended up being this crappy timing for all parties involved and uh, just frustrating. I, Shaden, I understand the frustration. Shaden wasn't saving Kentucky in late February, early March. Like I just don't see that, Jack. Like it had they thrown him in there. After the injuries to Wheeler and Tata, I really don't think that Shaden would have saved the day when it came to the NCAA tournament. Now, maybe had he started playing in, in late January, early February and gotten some time, then may, I think he could have helped. But I, I just think that it would have been a situation there at the end if you throw him in there. I don't know how much success he would have had. We, we know even for the number one overall player, there's still a, a learning curve there when it comes to college basketball. There's still a transition period of getting used to – the guys you're playing with in game modes. I don't think that Shaden would have saved it late. I do think that he would have helped, certainly, had he played 15 to 16, 17, 18 games. But five to six, I don't know how much he would have helped immediately. Yeah, and now that we are where we are, you know, again, door is slightly cracked, ever so slightly, but still I think the expectation with everybody within the program is that he – uh, will be leaving and they are kind of coming up with their contingency plans and kind of it is what it is at this point. Um, but what they do with roster construction moving forward, assuming you get Oscar back and assuming Shaden leaves, uh, the roster construction is very difficult for for Cal right now and how they're going about doing things because another thing that I heard uh, that I left the cliffhanger on, which again, I apologize for, going into the weekend on our last show is that uh, the school expects uh, Sabir Wheeler back to Kentucky, which on the surface, you know, you get a, he was a Bob Cousy finalist at his best. He, you know, won the game for you against North Carolina, led the charge in that blowout win, uh, you know, had some very, very bright moments. But on the on the flip side, he was very turnover prone, couldn't shoot the ball. Uh, you know, he started making some shots down the stretch, but some of his decision making was very, very questionable and, and led to. Uh, you know, he was a key reason why Kentucky lost that last game. Let's just call spade a spade. That was a very difficult game, and it kind of created some questions 
across the board within the program, within the fan base, within you know national media, how you evaluate this program. Uh, Xavier Wheeler's play is very polarizing, and it it makes sense that when you hear something like the program expects Xavier Wheeler back next season, it's it it, it it's kind of a controversial thing. But I will add. Not just talking to people around the Kentucky program, but you know, talking to national people, talking to local people. Uh, there is a kind of unwritten kind of not expectation, but uh, kind of the way they're going about doing things is Savir is back, but they are also making it clear that if a a high end point guard prospect that is uh, that isn't turnover prone that takes care of the ball that shoots the ball well that could be an upgrade over Savir he's going to be a take a little more and size right uh, yeah with size somebody that's not 5 8 or whatever it is that that, that he will be a take and they're going to let Case and Wallace kind of compete at the point guard position too and if and it's going to be a best man wins they're going to let all sides involved, you know, compete and, and whoever wins the point guard position, they're going to win the position. And I think that's something that I have heard that Savir may not be open to if he does get kind of sent to the bench or has to come off as a six man, seventh man role. Uh, that might not be a role that he's comfortable being a part of. And he could be and we kind of talked a, a little bit uh, a couple weeks back that uh, that might not be something that he's interested in. He could be kind of one of those late transfer portal uh, options that kind of mid-May uh, kind of decisions that that he could decide to hit the portal later, you know, later rather than sooner. Um, so it, it creates a difficult situation for Cal because you have to decide, okay, do you go all in on shooters and pure scorers right now to complement Savir at the point guard spot? You know, at the at the two and three, do you add just the best shooter and the best scorer you can find? Or do you say, you know what? We're going to get the best point guard option that hits the the hits it, and hopefully he's above you know six one six two, and he shoots it efficiently, uh, and he takes care of the ball. You know, wh- which way do you go? Do you go after all in on wings, or you go all in on a point guard? Uh, and that kind of creates a difficult predicament for for Cal. And I know that they are kind of exploring all of their options right now, and it's going to be a domino effect one way or the other. I think if if uh, high end point guard emerges first. I think that might be the the route they take if, you know, a, a high-end wing emerges, a scoring wing emerges right now. I think that's going to be the route they take. So it'll be a, 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 a all about timing, I think. It, yeah, and too, since this season ended, I think we all would hope that there's been a deep evaluation of the program going on, right, and with the roster. And everything should be on the table, Jack. I said that. When you go 9-16 and 16 and then you follow it, you had a really good regular season, but then you lose to a 15th seed in the first round when you're a favorite to win the national title or one of the favorites. Everything is on the table when it comes to the roster. Everyone can be replaced. That is the decision that you have to make. If they're best with Wheeler next year, then you figure out pieces and, and ways to make it work. And, and John Calipari, we know, thinks that the injuries that happened late in the year was what derailed Kentucky. So if they decide to go back with Wheeler and run it back again with – with him, and if Toppin is on this roster, we'll get to that in a moment. If Oscar's on this roster and there are some familiar faces, it's about putting those best pieces around them again to make sure that what happened this year does not happen again. But like you said, if someone emerges and a point guard with some size that can shoot the ball, can do some things, can get his own, Kentucky should take a look because I think that everything should be on the table, and if you have a way to make your team and roster better, you have to do it. 
Yeah. And I, I do want to make it very clear that the program likes Xavier a lot. They think the world of him. They do think that he is a point guard capable of leading this team to a final four. So I do want to make that very clear that they are very high on him. And ideally you find wing pieces. I think that is option one. Uh, you know, you find complementary pieces because, again, at his best, Xavier was a very, very good basketball player. And when you're an elite playmaker and the guys around you aren't converting on their open shots and aren't aren't finishing on their end, it makes Xavier look worse. It's kind of one of those, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't situations for Xavier. I, I, it, it was a difficult end of the year for him, and, and people within the program wanted to kind of stress that, look, yes. Xavier's a very good player, but he ended the year poorly. And you just got to – I don't think they're looking to upgrade the position itself more so, the roster itself, knowing yeah. that you need a point guard that's well, capable of creating for himself and scoring and, and taking care of the ball. You know, think of it more of a Davion Mintz replacement. I mean, Davion, Davion got a ton of minutes and was able to score and do all that. Look at it as a Davion Mintz replacement, and if that guy just so happens to beat out Xavier in a in a point guard competition, then so be it. I think that's, that's the route that well, things – things could take and it's all about fit right like that's that's what we talked about with Savir when he first came to Kentucky we said if if Savir was on the team that went nine and 16 I, I do think that they would have had better point guard play but you need guys that can make shots and for 85 to 90 percent of the Kentucky basketball season he probably even more than that he looked like one of the best point guards in the country because guys were hitting shots but then you got down to the end of the year and those guys stopped hitting shots and then all of Savir's weaknesses kind of emerged. And that, that's what you got to look at. If, if you've got it, you've got to have shooters around him that can play and, and can knock down open shots, and you just hope to God that they don't hit a cold spell like this group did this season. Yeah. So let's uh, keep moving forward. I know we got to get out of here very, very soon, but we got big news uh, that Jacob Toppin decides to put his name in the NBA draft. Not surprising news. I mean, if you go back, like Brian Long put his name in the NBA draft back in the day. So the fact that he put his name in the draft doesn't mean, oh, good Lord, another player uh, is leaving Kentucky. Let's, you know, burn the program down. Things are crumbling. Fire Cal. None of that. Like, no, this is a great thing. Great decision on his part. The program still expects Jacob Toppin back as they did from the start. I think Jacob Toppin expects Jacob Toppin to be back. I think he knows exactly what he is. I think he knows that he is capable of making a significant jump. We've talked about him on this show all the time that uh, he's a dude that is capable of of being a first round pick, maybe even a lottery pick. He's six nine, at, moves as well as anybody. Super athletic, long, defends very well. He was knocking down some jump shots late in the year and kind of made you think, "Ooh, okay, that right there could be the makings of a future pro." He has all of the all the measurables, all the uh, the little things that 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 it takes to be a, a pro. He just has to put it all together and be that player. Take this offseason very seriously. Develop that jump shot and be the player that that his potential says he can be. Um, so I, I love this 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 decision that he puts his name in the draft. Uh, he's eligible to return. Didn't sign with an agent at all, let alone even an NCAA certified agent. So really shows that he's not taking this process super super seriously in terms of uh, seriously considering a departure. But he just wants to talk to teams and really get a, a strong feel for what what the league thinks of him. I think it's a great decision on his part, Sean. I do too. I think that honestly, it was the easiest decision for for all these guys. I think Toppin he hadn't tested the waters yet. I think he needs to test it, take advantage of that opportunity, get his feedback, see where he stands, and then uh, if it if it means coming back to Kentucky next year, come back to Kentucky, knowing you have a blueprint on what you need to do 
to become a pro. And when we're talking athleticism, his is the best, right? Like he has NBA athleticism. Now he can go say, all right, tell me what I need to do to make it in this league and stick in this league. And that, that's what he'll get. That's the feedback he'll get. And I fully expect Jacob Toppin to be on Kentucky's roster next year and be a key piece to an NCAA tournament run. And we'll wrap up with this. Dante Allen has officially made his decision. He has committed to Western Kentucky. Great decision on his part. We talked uh, that one of those type of schools, you know, Western Kentucky, NKU, Xavier, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of one of those options kind of emerging late. I know he uh, took a, you know, I think he had a, a sit down meeting with Bob Huggins. And I know there was some interest from Purdue and Louisville and, you know, some of these other uh, high higher end D1 programs. But I think he really wanted a chance to, for success, a, a, a significant chance to get real minutes, real shot opportunities. And I think playing for Rick Stansberry, who I know loved him out of high school, Sean, that was a dude that really desperately wanted him uh, and and thought the world of him. So the fact that he's going to a coach that thought the world of him from day one, trusts him and, and is clearly going to give him the, the opportunity he deserves. Uh, I definitely think that it's a great move on his part. And I'm very excited to see Dante Allen's future. Yeah. Staying in the state. And, and to me, this move for Dante, it had to be a move to get off the bench and get in a rotation, maybe start, get some minutes and play. If he'd gone to West Virginia, we're, we're talking about a guy that we know is, is struggles on the defensive end. And I know it was well-documented and stuff the last couple of years. And, you know, Cal talking about some things he need to do on that end to get more minutes. And I just didn't think that a move to West Virginia made sense for a guy like Huggins that is built around defense and, and pressure defense and full-court pressure. So I like the move to Western. I think it's the perfect place for him. I hope he goes there. I hope he kills it. I hope he has a ton of success. Great kid, great family. And I'll, I'll be pulling for him for sure. Well, Sean, that wraps up this episode. I got to hit the road to Chicago to see uh, future Wildcats, Kaysen Wallace and Chris Livingston at the Jordan Brand Classic. Also uh, going to get to catch up with Sky Clark, his one and only all-star event that he made, former Kentucky commit, uh, who is now uh, committed to Illinois. So uh, going to be a fun week up in Chicago, and we'll be back again. As news comes out, we'll be rolling out these podcasts with the news. Uh, we're very excited about that. So with that, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'll be back next time for another Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Jam-packed.